Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga gaming episode. Today we are playing the prelude to war. Um, this is actually found in Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen, and it is uh, called Broken Silence. This is ultimately to lead up to the Shadow of the Dragon Queen campaign and introduce characters to the world and set them up uh, for success, ultimately, hopefully. Uh, today joining me, of course, is Derek. Derek, can you introduce us to your player, please? Sure. Um, my name's Derek. I'm going to be playing Ulrich. He is a druid half-elf, uh, comes from the uh, Forest of Lemish on the southern parts of Salamnia. He is uh, a seeker of balance. He doesn't believe in the gods anymore, or never has, because they've never had any witness or reason to see the gods actually exist. He basically lost his mother in a tragic uh, killing by an ogre. So he has, uh, his father is constantly looking for his, that this ogre that he wants to kill that to, to revenge his, uh, his wife's death. He, he's crazy, um, and he is also a very powerful druid, but he's gone a little nuts, and now he will only be in the form of a dog, or, or a wolf, that is. And uh, constantly is the companion that Ulrich has to deal with, and he's always worried about him. So, uh, yeah, that's my character. <laughs> Nice. Uh, and what was your father's name again? Uh, his name, pronouncing it properly, let's see. Let's see. It was, I have it right here. If I can just get to it, that is. Gil uh, Daril. Gil Daril is his name. Um, he is, yeah, a sibling elf who, before the time of the Cataclysm, fell in love with the forest of Lemish. Yeah. Well, uh, ultimately, um, your father has been, since the absence of the gods and the Cataclysm, as you had noted, slowly been driven sort of mad. Um, this could be attributed to the loss of your mother. It could be attributed to the loss of the gods. It could be uh, a whole host of uh, combinations of factors. But ultimately, the only way he seems to be able to find any semblance of peace within himself, though even that is lacking, it is in the form of this, uh, this creature that he's turned into, this wolf or this uh, dog form. And ultimately, like you had mentioned, he sort of has a mind of his own. He comes and goes at his will. Uh, sometimes he likes to spend some time with you and just sort of, you know, acting as if he was some sort of animal companion to you. But other times you may not see him for days at a time, uh, just coming and going. Uh, one thing that was consistent in your youth growing up is uh, this uh, individual named um, Ispen Greenshield. So can you tell us how you came to know Ispen Greenshield. Uh, Ispen Greenshield was a friend of uh, my father's. Um, so uh, Gildril basically was really good friends with him. My mother knew him, but when my mother died, uh, he kept coming back to check on my father because my father was slowly going even more insane and more crazy. And that's when he discovered me as a, as a child. And uh, he basically would show up from time to time uh, checking on me to make sure I was okay, but also checking on my father because he cared for him a great deal. Mm. Uh, on his adventures and, and journeys throughout the world, he'd come back sometimes with books and things of knowledge because um, Ulrich has a curiosity for medicine, for na the natural law, sciences, things. Uh, uh, he wants to understand balance. And so Ispin was a really good friend to him. 
And for over the last several years, uh, he has not seen Ispen very much, but uh, he did get a letter from a knight uh, named Beckin, mm -hmm. I guess. And uh, basically, yeah, and basically saying that something happened to Ispen, and uh, that's kind of what I know about Ispen is that he is uh, past, right? Yeah. So the letter itself reads, Dear friend, I am Becklin Uth Viharin. I've heard much about you from our mutual friend Ispen Greenshield. It grieves me to share this news that our dear friend Ispen passed away peacefully here at his home in Vogler. May fortune and the old gods protect his soul. Ispen's friends are holding a memorial for him in the manner he always wanted. It will take place here in Vogler on the Eye of the Kingfisher Festival. I write to ask you to do Ispen one last honor and attend. Should you come, accommodations will be available at the Brass Crab. Though the circumstances are sad, I am eager to meet you and through our memories to reveal, I'm sorry, to revel in the life of our great friend, signed Becklin Uthviharin, Knight of the Crown. So is this something that you think that you would uh, like to attend this funeral? Yes, I think my, um, my character is very, um, really thinks of him fondly as he's like one of the only human friends that it consistently has. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, he does. He goes months without seeing any human humans. He spends a lot of his time with his father, um, or maybe he'll help wanderers, people lost in the forest. But for the most part, he just wants to make sure that the forest is protected. Yeah. But at this moment, he really has a draw to wanting to be there for the last rites or give his respects to any family that may be, may remain of this individual that had such a strong uh, impact on his life. So. Yeah. So, uh, some of the things that you've been experiencing in the time that um, Ispen has been coming by and visiting and you watching this slow descent to madness of your father, it has to play some sort of emotional toll on you as an individual. Um, beginning about a year and a half ago, two years ago, you've been having these flashes, these, these dreams that they're almost like waking dreams. Um, they happen while you're awake and while you're sleeping. And it's not always the same, but um, in some of these cases, you've been woken as if uh, by some sort of external force and finding yourself literally out in the forest without ever having any memory of going there yourself uh, in some sort of sacred grove spaces. And sometimes it's next to a stream and sometimes you're at the end of a stream at, at this pond. In other cases, you find yourself at these uh, cairns uh, surrounded in this sort of uh, grove. And you've always noticed that there's always animals around, whether it's birds and uh, squirrels in the trees or whether it's some sort of form of a gopher or a deer in the woods surrounding you. You've always felt this sense of harmony and happiness in these sort of waking dreams of yours up until about a month and a half ago. Then these dreams started turning darker. Uh, the forests started withering. You started noticing the, these animals, birds would drop out of the sky uh, as if uh, you know, their forms are diseased or, or twisted in some uh, unnatural way. Uh, deer, you're seeing carcasses rather than the playful animals. And as these dreams start to get darker and darker, fear starts pressing in on your mind that maybe what afflicted your father is now coming to afflict you. Maybe this madness isn't environmental. Maybe it's hereditary of some nature. And how far you want to take that fear is up to you. 
but it is something that's playing on your mind because ultimately, though you've lived the life of a druid, you've never been able to connect with any form of deity, whether it's uh, nature or uh, Chislev, uh, as your father had always instructed you. Um, you've always felt this sort of disconnect, whereas he shared experience of intimate connection, not of a sexual nature, but just of a closeness to that, you know, akin to a divine father figure or mother figure. And you've always wanted that, but you, you figured that since your, your father lost it, and maybe his descent, maybe that's just something that you would never have that connection, um, except for these waking dream moments. They were just these glimpses of, of something that sort of led you on a pathway that you found yourself today as, you know, wanting to live this life of a druid and homage of the natural environments that you've chosen to live in. Um, now you have uh, Ispen having passed and this invitation to go to Vogler. You're having these dreams that are sort of tormenting you a little bit. Um, if uh, you wanted to attend this funeral, you need to start you know, collecting your belongings and start the journey now because you do have quite the trip ahead of you. So I gather everything I can, and I, I, I go outside of our cabin, um, and I call out to my father. Um, I have my spear, and I take my shield just because there are creatures in the woods that are not safe. So I'm just mm. prepared just in case I run into anything. And I yell out, Father, Father, it's time to go. I, 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 where are you? It's time to go. Ispin's funeral is only a short time away. We don't have time to dilly-dally. You see your father actually padding through the forest and looking back at you. Um, in anyone who's ever owned any animals before, you do get this visual representation of sadness on animals' faces. It's, it's quite stirring. And you just have that represented in, in this uh, wolf's facial features, this sort of sorrow in the eyes and the drooping of the head. The tail is just sort of you know, falling to the, you know, his hind legs without any, you know, excitement or anything. And he just sort of turns his head and starts walking off into the distance. He's not waiting for you. He's not really even acknowledging you past that initial look. Um, but it does seem that he is headed in that general direction to the main road to get to Vogler. I, I drop my head too. I, I feel for, uh, basically a, a still a form of loss nothing like i felt with my mother but uh, still a great loss um and i'm just I, I basically just start marching off in the direction to I, I believe the city is in yeah i i don't know if i've ever been there because i don't think my character really likes to be in in cities so yeah well you definitely have never uh, traveled this far from Salamnia into Estwild, where Vogler's located, and it's uh, pretty far north compared to where you are, so it is going to take you quite some time. Um, can I have you roll a nature or a survival check? Um, what uh, what do you have here for that? You have a nature, right? You're proficient? Yeah, I'm, I should be. I selected that. Let me go back to my character and go into view. And let's see, I have nature's intelligence and what was survival? Um, survival yeah, is yeah. wisdom. I will do survival. Okay. 
and scored an 18 with a plus three. That's a 21. Wow. <laughs> that's really great. Yeah, so you're able to uh, live off the land in the time that it takes you. I mean, you're, you're traveling hundreds of miles. I mean, hundreds of hundreds of miles. It, it takes you a very long time. This is like month's journey for you if you're going to just be going on foot. Um, and your father, you know, you don't always see him during this journey. From time to time, you'll uh, sort of wake up after one of those waking dreams and see him um, next to the burned out campfire uh, if you keep them. Uh, from time to time, you'll notice him in the distance, sort of traveling on the edge of the tree line when there's trees or always through scrub brush, never out in the open himself. Uh, you know, to be fair, people are going to try to hunt and kill him if, uh, if they find him anywhere near any sort of civilized area because they don't know anything other than he's a wolf. Um, and so, again, this isn't something where you're spending time together. He very much seems to be going on his own journey, and you just happen to be going sometimes with him and sometimes in absence of him. Uh, storm clouds are rolling in and sort of pounding at some periods of time. And, and you're just sort of walking, you know, very much like Kane from Kung Fu or something, you know, just walking the land by yourself. Uh, from time to time, you do run across other uh, wagon trains of people just traveling and living their lives. Um, other times uh, you, you see uh, knights traveling across the road, which again, in this period of time, they're not really trusted. And you don't know a whole lot about them anyway, um, other than uh, they seem to be imposing and everyone seems to be a little bit tense. Um, throughout your journey, you're noticing, uh, you know, just overhearing some talk uh, whenever someone comes up to you and starts trying to do a little bit of small talk, just as a, a moment of respite in this long travel uh, that they're going on, in, in addition to what you're doing, you hear rumors. Rumors of uh, 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 soldiers amassing in distant regions of the world, like the Taman Busuk, or uh, even as far as Goodland in some tales. Um, you hear stories of wizards uh, trying to take control of the land, and they're uh, throwing these ideas of, of wars or, or armies rising up in order to distract the knighthood or other uh, uh, militias. You hear rumors that um, the knights themselves are trying to start a new war so that they can look like the heroes uh, and turn their fortune around. So though there is a consistency of stress, worry, and strain about virtually everyone that you come across, there doesn't seem to be any consistency in, in why anyone should be worried. Just that the world right now is in a point of seeming turmoil and uh, no one really understands what is behind it. And of course, since the cataclysm, the world has been in turmoil. So it's not anything dramatically new, but these rumors are new compared to what you've heard in the past. Um, as you settled down for a, a night, you... Uh, your father, your, the wolf comes over and uh, just sort of shares the evening with you and you feel a sense of connection and contentment for the first time and maybe almost a week and a half of you traveling because he is sort of with you, you know, rather than just traveling seemingly alongside or in the distance, he's actually seeming to want to spend time with you. And you see him sort of curl up next to whatever form of a fire you're able to to have. When you do camp out, what what does your campsite look like? Uh, usually, I'll be off the road if uh, at all, like 
to the point where a small fire wouldn't be noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be a, kind of a, a very small fire, and uh, I'll eventually um, smother it before I go to sleep because we can't have the trees catching fire yeah. if I'm not paying attention. So um, I will warm some rocks next to the fire uh, so I can put them into my blankets, depending on what type of year is it, by the, cha- by the way. Uh, right now we're looking at about September-ish. September-ish? So yeah, he'll warm the rocks by the fire, and he'll put them next to his blankets after he puts the fire out, so he has some warmth mm-hmm. um, throughout the night. Um, and he is always welcome to uh, cuddle up with his father if he needs to for, for warmth, um, if his father's ever willing, but that's, yeah. Yeah. Tonight would be the, the first night in a very long time that he's ever seemed to be willing to have close proximity and connection with you. And so when it does come time for you to sort of, you know, put out the fire and lay down, he does sort of, you know, curl up next to you, adding that extra body heat, which is, of course, going to be welcome. But also this sense of, of closeness and, and intimacy that he wants to share with you in this moment for whatever reason. Uh, he certainly isn't communicating it. As you go to sleep, you find yourself in the midst of of one of these waking uh, dreams again, and you stand, you find yourself standing at the center of a forest clearing, clashing steel echoes from the thicket beyond, and as you look around, you realize piles of bodies cover all of the ground. One of the fallen bodies has something that is clutching in uh, its hand against its chest. You're not entirely sure what this happens to be, but you do feel the urge to reach for it, and you see your father sort of pad up to it and uh, sort of look down at it and do this uh, sort of deep resonating howl that just starts like within the diaphragm of this wolf, and he reaches his neck out, just goes up, and you notice it's been sort of cloudy for uh, on and off most of the time just because of the seasons. As you look up, you actually see the stars and the, the constellations in the sky, and you see the the, the brilliant, pristine solenary and, and the nuitary um, is just uh, I'm sorry, uh, Lunatary is shining its red light down and, and casting everything in this sort of reddish hue um, as the wolf is sort of crying out in front of you, howling to whatever in the night sky. Um, you start to notice that this item that this corpse is clutching starts shining brilliantly from underneath the hand and it's showing that it's like spreading these uh, shafts of light from between the fingers and uh, between the thumb and uh, you know back where the hand is supposed to be and it's just sort of this emanating light coming out what do you want to do i look at my father and then i look down at the item and i slowly start to reach towards it and then i look back at him as i reach for it do i get the uh, sense that uh, it's unnerving him that i'm reaching for it no, um, as you uh, are, are reaching down, you see him sort of pad up around the body and stand next to you, you know, just as, as almost a sign of companionship or a sign of support in some way. I, I reach down for the item and I just try to see if I can pick it up. You can. As soon as you reach down for it, the hand sort of like flops and crumbles away, landing on the side of the body uh, of this, uh, this uh, human female is what it looks like. And this medallion, as you, you reach down, you pick it up and turn it over, and it has this etching of a leaf into uh, the, the surface of it. And you feel this immense sense of warmth and connection that instantly 
goes away as it explodes out from you. And this, almost like this blast from you at the epicenter, blasting out, you see the trees, the branches of uh, all the bushes, any animals and any uh, 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 flowers or, or plants that were on the ground are just sort of pushed aside and lay over on their side. Um, ultimately, it, it looks like a, a massive bomb just went off and there's nothing in your hand anymore. Just the, the wolf looking up at your hand and then looking up at you and almost a, a questioning look as if prodding you to something. What? Father, what was that? You, you hear this, like a little bit of you know, concerned vocalizing coming from him. Um, you see him start sort of looking around and it starts plodding off away from uh, the sort of massive bodies and this sort of epicenter blast zone further into the tree line. Can I follow? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go after. So as you follow him into the tree line, you actually, both of you come upon this uh, scene. It's a, a crumbling stone structure that lies among the undergrowth. Its roof is pierced by a tree of an enormous size. Uh, its walls are mostly intact. There's this large empty door frame that leads inside of this crumbling structure. Um, you see your father sort of pad up to it and just sort of sit down right in front of the entryway. You see vines snaking up the lines, uh, the, the sides of this crumbling structure. That massive tree is sort of hanging over, looming over the, you know, coming out from the center of it, looming over the entrance. Your father sort of cast in shadow. Uh, the, the moon's light do not pierce through the canopy of this immense tree, and it's just sort of silence. I walk over to where my father is, and I peer inside. You start peering inside and you can't really see anything. It seems the shadow is so intense on the inside that uh, there's literally no light entering it. It's just sort of darkness. And the the wolf sort of looks up at you and says, and sort of like, no, no, like turns its nose over toward the entrance and is just staring at the entrance. I look at my father as I slowly start to step forward and just kind of feel my way in. You start walking in and your, your hands hit the doorway, uh, the frame, and you sort of enter into this space. And the first thing you notice uh, on the other side, you see this tree visible from the outside that breaks through the ruined marble floor. It stretches through the collapsed ceiling. Around it, broken statues are lining the remaining walls, standing in crumbling alcoves. You see this... Um, sort of broken, crumbling statue of what at one time was a female form of some kind, and you start to see this sort of red swirling mist fill in the gaps of, of where the stone is crumbled and is lying on the floor, and these five tendril-like heads loom out in front of you. Can I get you to do a, um, a it would be a wisdom, uh, something like um, fear check. Okay, so do I do so that just by an, doing a... uh, I don't know. It would be intimidation, so maybe, um, I don't know. What would be the, the opposite of that? Wisdom, I guess? I don't know. And so wisdom saving throw, is that just like what I'm doing? Is it just a wisdom? Yeah, I guess so, unless there's something that you think uh, would work really well. Um, uh, I guess I just go over to my stat, and I go to the wisdom, hit the little roll button. Yeah, let's try that. Okay. 
Okay. Got an 11 plus 3. That's 14. Okay. So as you uh, are looking at this image, these sort of snake heads come out. You're hearing this whispering sound. Just... And it's getting louder and deeper, and it's just sort of enveloping you. And fear has just struck all over. Every nerve in your body is shaking from terror. Whatever this looming entity is, um, can I get a uh, uh, an insight check? Do you have a religion or history? Yeah, I have religion. Let's try Let's that. Let's see. I have religion. Okay. All right. I scored. I, did I roll a one? Yeah, I'm showing a five total. Uh, I got no, I got a two because I have a plus three, so I just can't see the die roll for some reason. But yeah, it's just a total of uh, twenty plus three, so that should be a two, I think, is what I rolled, which still isn't good. Yeah. So as you uh, you're lo you're looking at this, you're a little too terrified to try to comprehend exactly what it is. It actually knocks you back on uh, your hindquarters, and you're sort of crab walking backwards, just trying to get away from this immense, you know terrifying uh, visage that is unfolding around you. And as you back up, you sort of find your back hitting uh, another statue structure. Um, you turn up and look at it and you just see this form of uh, this uh, sort of, it's presenting itself in this uh, form of uh, this uh, sort of nature goddess. You know, you see uh, her clothing is completely absent uh, you actually see a little bit of fur coming off parts of her body, but you get the distinct impression that it, it is feminine in this moment, and it is uh, reaching out to you in, uh, like its light is shining and purifying and, and pushing that fear out of your body. And you just feel this immense closeness. Uh, inside of your head, you hear this um, delicate, light voice, Do not be afraid. You are one of my kind. We together can banish this darkness. The evil will not gain hold of this land. If you will be my disciple, together we will fight the darkness. And I am now like, just like, I'm assuming the feeling is, is a, there's like a, a kind of a warm, like prickly feeling, kind of very, like almost like listening to like uh, a crescendo of really powerful music that's mm -hmm. causing me to feel goose pimples all over. And I'm just like, uh, I just start, my, my eyes start to, to weep at this feeling that my father probably has told me about so many times that I've never felt. And I it, it immediately out loud, I just say, yes, yes, I will follow you. It's like, I am Chislev. I am of nature. And you are my kind. I would like to present you with this medallion, and from it I will manifest powers through you. And if you are willing, pick up the amulet. And you see on the statue an amulet just appear around this sort of crumbling bust space where the head of the statue was, and this sort of spiritual entity, a sort of force, has formed the rest of the, the body of the statue. I slowly arise to my knees and, and, and stand up and I hesitantly reach out and try to, to touch the, basically touch the, the leaf first to, to make sure it's, it's real. It's not 
something that I can, is, 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 do I feel it or do, does it like not feel real to me? As you reach out to touch it, it actually falls off of the statue, the crumbling statue portion and just sort of plops down into your hand. And it is very real. It is a holy medallion that has just spreading warmth all around you. You just feel this intimate connection to a divine entity that you've never even considered could exist. You're, you're getting these senses of, of raw power that should not exist in this time. And for some reason, you have been chosen uh, to be a, an acolyte of this, this entity, of this goddess. Um, the power is, is very, very humbling. Uh, you know, you almost get the sense that you're, you don't deserve to, to be a part of this. If she left her connection from your father, what makes you better than your father? Um, if, if the gods had abandoned mankind 350 years ago, why are you being presented with this opportunity? You know, these ideas are sort of floating through your head. Um, you hear that welcoming voice again. Ask of me what you will. But you must continue your journey soon. Is my mother... Is my mother still out there? Is there life beyond this? This world? Your mother is with us in the afterlife that she has earned. We never left. We have always been here, taking care of those who have chosen to stay faithful to us and shine in their afterlife in our glory. Your mother is at peace. I just break down into tears, holding the, 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 the holy symbol, I'm assuming looks like a leaf, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just holding it to my chest. And I say, thank you. Thank you. Chestlif, what, what, what should I call you? Are you the mother of nature? Are you, what do I call you? The only thing that you hear um, before you start to feel the sort of presence seeping away, um, and as you sort of are waking from this dream that you thought is very, very real in this moment, uh, is, I am Chislev, I am nature, I am all around you. And it sort of goes away. You sort of wake with a start and look around, and the... Uh, wolf, your father's form, is just sitting there, like nudging its nose, its cold nose against your neck. And as you like open your eyes and sort of take in this big, deep breath, this gasp, he starts licking your face, and then he turns and pads away. Father, I reach for my neck to see, like, do I feel the anything on me? I don't have the medallion, do I? You actually do have a medallion. Um, it's underneath uh, the shirt, whatever shirt you're wearing. And it, the thing is, it just feels as if it's a part of you. Like it doesn't feel like you are wearing something that you haven't been wearing your whole life. It just feels this deep sense of belonging, as if you have been wearing it forever. And then I call out to my father, "Father, you were right. The gods were always with us. They were always with us." You just hear this howling coming from uh, the distance and it just continues to move off into the distance i say a prayer to just love and i pray also to my mother at the same time saying mother watch over father help me guide him and protect him and just love 
thank you for this knowledge. Thank you. And I just, I prepare myself to leave and I head off in the, in the direction. And the last thing I say in my prayer is, please guide me. I will do your will. As you uh, say this, you, you finish your prayers, you're packing up uh, your small camp that you had set, heading back to the road toward Vogler. You have this overwhelming sense of peace and contentment, something that you've never felt before in your entire life. Something that adds some context to how your father has been acting. You can only imagine that feeling what you're feeling now and having that feeling ripped away from you, it's like losing a limb. It, it, it's like your heart being ripped out. And so you start to understand the pain that your father has experienced for so many, many centuries. That understanding is going to probably lead you to a deeper connection with him in the future. And ultimately, that is the end of this prelude. And we're going to pick up uh, next Saturday on the 10th with everyone else and moving into Vogler to attend a funeral for Ispen Greenlee. Greenshield. Awesome. Green Love Shield. it. This is, this is good. I loved it. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how this turns out. We, we went a little bit differently than it, it ended in, in the adventure here, but I like to try to customize things if we can to, to the character and the histories that you guys have developed. And I think your character is going to be a wonderful uh, sort of role-playing exercise, especially with the potential of your father coming in and out and sharing maybe suggestions or tips or hints or fears or whatever. I think it should be fun. Yeah, this will be awesome. All right, well, everyone else out there, thank you guys so much for watching this prelude, um, Broken Silence for Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen. Uh, again, we are going to be running the official game starting on the 10th. That is next Saturday as this recording. And we hope that you'll tune in live. You can share your thoughts in the chat about what's going on, what you would like to see us do. Of course, players have autonomy and they can do whatever they want. But ultimately what this is, is going to be rather than a straight retelling of this adventure, it is going to be a shared creative story development with the adventures, the backdrop and the characters informing choices and the outcome. And uh, that is how I think it's going to stand alone in contrast to all of the other people playing this exact same adventure. Thank you all so much for your time, Derek. It is always a pleasure doing this with you. Thank you so much. And until uh, we can uh, get together and until we can roll this game again, Slan Javar. <laughs>